0: Well, today we're starting a new series called God, What's Going On? And here's my guess. My guess is in, this, in the last few months, you have asked that question. You have looked to the heavens and said, God, what is going on? And here's what I want to encourage you with. Over the next three weeks, my prayer is that you will get lots of answers to that question. That there will be several things we talk about as we look at the book of Jeremiah that answer the question, God, what is going on? I want you to think about something for a minute. I don't know if you're somebody over your lifetime who has made trades or not. I know for me, I've made tons of trades over my lifetime. I've traded food, right? You kind of trade up in the food department. I've traded seats. I remember being a kid, you get on a bus to go to the soccer game or the baseball game and your friend's already sitting by somebody else. And so you'd be like, yo, bro, let's trade seats. And so you trade so you could sit by somebody you wanted to hang out with. I've, I've traded toys when I was a kid, Transformers and GI Joes and all kinds of stuff. I traded pocket knives with my good buddy, Steve, when we were little kids. And and I just remember all these trades going down. Now, here's the thing. Ladies, what do you all trade? You guys don't do this, I don't think. I was, you know, writing this, and I'm trying to think to myself, okay, I know what I trade. I know what most boys trade. But I started to think, what do girls trade? And I said to my wife, Kel, does, do you guys ever trade stuff? She's like, no, we We share stuff. I was like, wow, you guys are awesome. Like I say, can I have that? But you got to give me something for it, right? And and women are like, "Here's here's my clothes, my makeup, my jewelry. Have fun, you know? And so guys, man, this is a guy thing, right? And I want to let you know, there's one thing I was most serious about when it came to trades. And right here in this book, now this book is falling apart a little bit and the whole cover has been broken off. But man, when I was younger, this is my baseball card book and I've got basketball cards, football cards, all kinds of stuff in here, but mainly baseball cards. And I love this stuff and I love to trade baseball cards, but I never made a bad trade when it came to baseball. I was always so careful about the baseball cards and and I would uh, kind of like organize my guys here. Of course, the Mets are in front. I got my Mets autographs in the very front and then I got all my cards I got my all-stars but right in the middle of the book I put my two prize possessions and it was a Darryl Strawberry rookie card and believe it or not it was a Don Mattingly rookie card right there sandwiched in the middle I figured if anything was going to happen to it, it you know it would be safe in the middle if something happened it fell on the top it'd be all right if I dropped it the back it'd be all right it was dead center in the middle one day I'm at my friend's house and I'm thinking about doing some trades I open up the book to the Darryl Strawberry Don Mattingly Page and I lay it out for him to look at on my friend's bed as we're hanging out in his room. We forgot about it. He turns around, he sat on Daryl Strawberry and he sat on Don Mattingly. My heart was broken, okay? But I never in my life made a bad baseball trade. Listen, we're looking up at the heavens right now going, God, what is going on? Could it be that one of the things that's going on right now is we as a nation and we as individuals have been trading God for other things. Could God right now be trying to get our attention around this? Could he be kind of having you and I lean in a little bit on this idea of God... God, uh, am I living for you? Am I satisfied in you? Am I like enthralled with you? Or have I traded you away for other things? See, here's the thing. God wants to satisfy us. He wants good for us. He doesn't just want to give us a cheap thrill. He doesn't want us to just numb out and be distracted. He wants to heal our souls. He wants to put our lives together. He wants to give us something to live for. He wants to give us a passion. He wants to provide for us and heal us. He wants us to find joy in his presence. But for some reason, we so often trade him for other things. Other things catch our eye. The porn catches our eye. The relationship catches our eye. The status catches our eye. The popularity catches our eye and our heart. We trade him for stuff like money. We trade him for stuff like a live-in you know, relationship that, man, we have no business being in this thing right now. We, we have traded God for all kinds of shiny things, so to speak. And could it be that as we kind of throw our arms up and we look up to the heavens and say, God, what is going on? Maybe he might just be saying back, you've traded me. You've traded me for things that are just never going to satisfy you. The truth is, whenever you and I trade away, God, that's a really bad trade. OK, I'm going to say something and I want you to repeat. I'm going to break it up into two sections. OK, so I'll say you say it. trading God away. Trading God away is a really bad trade, is a really bad trade. Man, if you're doing that right now, if I'm doing that right now, if any of us are guilty of this, I pray today will kind of wake us up because the truth is we just tend to believe that there are better things than God. And it's crazy too, because most often we know that it's going to be a momentary thrill, right? We know it's going to be a momentary numb out, but we still fall for it. My heart today, God's heart today, I believe is to kind of wake us up out of this. He has something so much better for you. So let me ask you a question. What have you traded God for in this last season? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Is there anything that kind of pops up, man? Maybe you just traded him for Netflix and laziness. Maybe you just traded him for um, trying to find a routine and, and in the weirdness of changing from old life to new life and then we're thinking about going back to old life or new, you know the new normal, like we just disconnected from God. Like, what have you and I traded him for in this last season? Now, here's the thing. Many of you guys are sitting on the couch. You're ready to turn me off. You're ready to turn the power button, change the channel, get off the website, shut the app down. And here's why. You're going, I don't need this right now. Man, I'm discouraged. I woke up discouraged. I woke up sad. I woke up depressed. I woke up afraid. I don't need a guilt trip on top of this. Why are we talking about this right now, Doug? You know why we're talking about this right now? Let me tell you something. Our team, I'm so proud of them. We have encouraged your socks off over the last month or two. And I'm so proud of everybody. That was right and it was good and is what we needed. But I really believe today, right here, right now, in the midst of this, this is a teachable moment. I sound like my dad right now. Anybody else's dad or mom used to say that? I hated that phrase as a kid. Doug, this is a teachable moment. Shut up, I don't wanna hear that right now. But the truth is, they were right. There were moments when life was going on and things were so heavy and things were so big that this right here, right now was a time I could learn something that would benefit me for the rest of my life. I'll give you an example. My friends and I, one day, we found a field by a church. We wanna play football on it. The field was muddy. It was awesome. Playing football on a regular field is great. Playing a football on a muddy field is epic. And so we are out there playing and we were doing great until one of my friend's dad shows up and, and he pulls me aside he goes, Doug, you see this field all muddy? I was like, yeah. He's like, when's the last time it rained? I'm like, I I don't know. Why why does that matter? He's like, well, why would the field be muddy if if it hasn't rained in like two weeks? And then we realized that the church's sewage had overflowed into the field and we were rolling around in sewage. Now, the church was pretty close to my house, and so my friends and I, we were all supposed to go back to my house and hang out. We get back, and I'm thinking, ah, no big deal. I mean, pretty nasty and horrifying, but we'll just all take turns taking showers. We'll be good to go. My dad heard what happened. He met us out on the front yard with a hose and some shampoo and said, you clean yourself out here, right? You are not coming to my house to deal with all that. Teachable moment. Doug, think before you do stuff. Man, it hasn't rained in two weeks. Why is the field muddy? Guys, right now. America is rolling around in some sewage. Maybe you and I personally are rolling around in some sewage and it's a teachable moment. God has our attention right now. And so I don't wanna miss out on what God's trying to teach us in the midst of this. I have great, great uh, belief and confidence that what you're gonna hear today is not just gonna challenge you and convict you, it's gonna greatly encourage you. So hang in there with me today. The truth is our satisfaction is on the line. That's what we're fighting for today. Our satisfaction is on the line. God is saying, I want to to satisfy you. Stop trading me. Stop trading me. Stop looking at other things. I have better for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you have asked, God, where are you? What's going on right now? I pray today you'll find some answers and you'll also hear an amazing thing that Jesus has done for you because he loves you so incredibly much. So before the pandemic hit, I started reading the book of Jeremiah. My buddy Joe told you a few weeks ago, he was too. And and so I was reading through Jeremiah and I didn't plan on preaching on it. I didn't plan on doing a series on it. But as I'm reading through, I'm going, oh man, this is really hitting home. It's kind of lining up with some of the stuff going on in our nation right now. And so I kind of feel as though Jeremiah could be summed up with these words. It's almost like God is saying, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. It's almost like if you lived in Jeremiah's day and you looked up to the heavens and said, God, what's going on? He'd say, hang in there because my boy Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, he's about to tell you what's going on. And we're going to see over these next three weeks some powerful truths that I really believe line up with where we are right now as a nation and as followers of God. Now, the message that Jeremiah got was pretty intense. And so as you and I read this, we're going to find that what was going on was the people of Judah were living in sin. And so God was speaking a word of judgment against them. Now, listen to me. I am not saying that the pandemic we're going through right now is judgment against us. Not that we don't deserve it, but I don't believe it's judgment. I'm not going to lend my voice to say this is God's judgment against us. I'm gonna let you know what I do think it is in just a minute, but you might be tripping over this concept saying, wait a minute, why would God judge anybody? It doesn't seem loving, okay? Well, here's the deal. Every single day in America, people are judged. Robbers and murderers go on trial and they are judged. They are held accountable and justice is a good thing. And so God was holding the nation of Judah accountable for what they had done. But the beautiful thing about Jeremiah, guys, listen to me. The beautiful thing about Jeremiah is eventually we begin to see That instead of you and I being judged, someone else gets judged in our place. There's a promise of hope in the book of Jeremiah. We're gonna come around and we're gonna discover what that's all about. If you're not a father of Jesus, hang in there. Yes, intense today, but hope, promise, rescue, savior, hang in there, it's coming, all right? So as we continue to work through this, what do I think's going on? Well, it's not a time of judgment, what I believe with all my heart. It's a time of discipline, right? How do I know that? Because the scripture tells us that we should endure hardship as discipline. We all know good parents discipline their kids and we also know something else. We know that good parents take no delight in disciplining their kids. We're gonna lean heavily into this next week. If you have the view of God that he is up there laughing at us all in our pain, you are hugely mistaken. I have never disciplined my kids and laughed while I was doing it. I hate Disciplining my kids, but I know something. I know it's for their good and I know it's going to help them grow. And Lamentations 3, who uh, a lot of theologians believe Jeremiah wrote, says this Lamentations 3, verse 33, for he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. That word willingly is so important. God is not in heaven celebrating our discipline. No, he's celebrating the outcome of our discipline, right? He's celebrating what will be and could be, and parents want to discipline their kids so that they'll grow. In fact, I want us to say that together. See, here's the deal. We got lots of kids watching the stream. You're probably sitting on the floor. You're rolling around on your carpet. You're playing on your phone, and I need you to tune in for a second. I need you to say this with me, and because I have no kids here in the studio while we're recording this, and I need you in on this, guys, I need you to do your best kid imitation voice and speak back to me what I say to the camera. We're gonna have some fun with this, okay? So kids at home, join me. For 10 kids in the studio, I need you I need you with me, all right? Here we go. Here's what I need you to say. My parents discipline me. My parents discipline me because they want me to grow, because they want me to grow. Oh, I hope you heard that at home. I really hope you heard some of our amazing. See, so here's the deal, kids. That's the truth, and that's a picture of God. And so I believe we're in a time of hardship, but discipline, and I believe God is looking at you and me and looking at our nation saying, oh, please turn back to me, turn back to me. You're making some bad trades right now. Turn back to me. So there's this theme running through the book of Jeremiah and it's this word repentance. To repent means to turn, to turn from something, to turn your, your back, to turn your direction from one side to the other. And Jeremiah is actually the longest book in the Bible, not by chapters, but by Hebrew words. It's got almost 33,000 words. And much of the theme of repentance is on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And I think God's trying to get your attention today, my attention today, our attention, and say, let's turn from this habit we have gotten ourselves into of trading God for other things. So let's look at Jeremiah 2, 5. This is beautiful. I probably pre- preach from this passage like once a year because the, the visual in here is so beautiful. Jeremiah 2, 5, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. God's saying, guys, you and I, man, we used to be close. I used to be your satisfier, but now you've traded me. and You're looking to other things to satisfy you. Instead, you're looking to idols, pieces made by people, wood and gold and silver. They have no power. And then I love this. God reminds the people the ways he's been good to them. And Maybe you need to hear this today. God has been good to you. I know that what we're going through right now is really difficult and really painful and hard. But God has been so good to you and me. And so he reminds the people of Judah here. He says in Jeremiah 2.6, They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. So God says, do you remember what I did for you? I took you out of Egypt. I led you through the desert and the ravine. I led you into this fertile land and led you to amazing food and care. I cared for you so well. Man, we we trade that away? We trade that away? I was recently talking with Elliot Markowitz, awesome guy in our church, loves Jesus, but he was raised Jewish. And he was telling me about the Passover Seder and this one aspect just jumped out at me. I thought it was so cool. It's called Dayenu, Dayenu. There's actually a song that goes along with it. And so I'm just gonna grab Andrew's guitar real quick and sing, no, I'm not gonna do that. You don't want me to do that. But this whole idea of Dayenu, the word means it would have been enough. It would have been enough. See, here's the deal. They recount the things God has done. And one by one, they say, if he only had done this one thing, it would have been enough. But then you did this too. There's dissatisfaction impressed. I want to read some of it. They, they say this when they celebrate if he had split the sea for us and had not taken us through it on dry land, Dianu, it would have been enough for us. If he had taken us through it on dry land and had not pushed down our enemies in the sea, Dieno, it would have been enough for us. If he had pushed down our enemies in the sea and had not supplied our needs in the wilderness for 40 years, Dieno, it would have been enough for us. Satisfaction, satisfaction. God, look what you've done. Could this be a time in our nation's history? Could this be a time in your life when God is trying to get you to remember, man, God, if you'd only given your son, that would have been enough, right? God, if you'd only blessed me in this way, that would have been enough, but you went beyond that, and then you blessed me in this way, God. You really are the satisfier, and I would trade you away? What am I thinking? I'd trade you away for a a party, a, a cheap thrill, a high, a moment, A moment of lust, a moment of anger. I'd trade you away for some stupid entertainment. I would trade you away for status or money or popularity so people would know my name. I'd trade you for that, God. God, it just would have been enough if you'd done one thing. You've done tens of thousands of things for me. Goes on, Jeremiah 2, and the next part in verse seven. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Guys, I think we as a nation, we've stopped asking Where's the Lord, right? We're starting to say, hey, who needs the Lord? Let's give up on the Lord. Let's figure it out ourselves. Let's trade the Lord. Now, here's the deal. A lot of us are going, yeah, man, that's right. Let's blame this leader. Let's blame those people. Let's blame my neighbors and the people I work with and go to school with. Because, man, yeah, man, they don't even care about God. No, 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 no. Let's think about us for a minute. It was funny. I was driving recently, and I saw this dude running on the side of the road, and he's got his pods in and he's just rocking out. And I see him pointing to the middle of the road. Now he's running by himself. He doesn't see me looking at him. He points to the middle of the road and he looks and he's just kind of like still running and he's just pointing and he keeps going. And then I realized there's like a sharp metal tool in the middle of the road. And I started laughing at myself like, dude, you just pointed at it and kept running. Like that's not going to do anything for anybody. And then I kept driving down the road and realized you just looked at a guy, pointed something, not do something about it. You laughed at him and then you didn't do anything either. Man, Stop, think about you right now. Think about you. Don't point at everybody in the nation around you. No, watch your heart right now. Are you forgetting the Lord in any way? Are you trading him away? Am I trading him away for anything? Is there anything in me that's becoming self-reliant? Am I leaning into my own wisdom and ability? Have I lost my sight of Jesus right now? How are you doing with that? Are you making these trades as well? Then it goes on, verse 10. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus and look. Send to Kadar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed or exchanged its gods, yet they are not gods at all. So he tells people, go on a journey. You know, it'd be like him telling us, go down to the Carolinas, see if they changed God's Go to to Pennsylvania, see if they change God. They trade their gods out there. Go to Jersey. Oh, we all know nobody believes in in God in Jersey, right? We we all know. You better be laughing at that at home. Us Long Islanders love our Jersey jokes. Uh, Jersey, Jesus loves you, so do we. I'm sorry. But this is like this whole concept of anybody around us, like trading God, anybody else kind of losing their minds right now and walking away from the satisfier for other things. And then I love it. God takes it up a notch. He says, They're trading for other gods, but they're not even gods. They're not gods at all. They're trading their God away and getting no God in return. Do you hear me? You and I are trading our God away and getting no God in return. Getting a hangover in return. Getting an STD in return. Getting fear and anxiety in return. Getting numbed out for a while in return. And God's going, man, stop trading me away. Stop trading me away. And he's not saying it based on the fact only that he is God, but he also is saying it on the fact that he loves you so much. He wants to be your satisfier. It goes on. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens. He's saying that's like the angels are looking at this going, what are they doing? It says, Shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. And then this is the imagery that's so powerful. Verse 13, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. If you remember me talking about this in the past, good. You and I need to come around this idea often of what it really looks like when we trade God for other stuff. Do you have a spring in your mind? Picture it. Do you see it flowing, just shooting life and water out? Now, do you know what a cistern is? Well, a cistern is when somebody grabs a shovel like this. And what they would do is they would dig down into the ground. They would get to some rock and then they would break up the rock in hopes that if it rained enough, the cistern would catch the water. And then they could go down there into the cistern and get the water. Think about it, guys. A cistern I have to work for. A spring brings the refreshment and the satisfaction to me. As long as I'm near it, The spring gives me what I need. But the cistern, I gotta go down in there and try to dig my way in to find some type of satisfaction. So think about the imagery here. God is saying, here I am, the spring, you're thirsty, I'm the answer. And the people are looking at God going, nah, we're gonna dig We're going to work. We're going to go try and find something down there. But it's not even a working cistern, God says. God says when we trade our gods, we find a broken cistern that holds no water. So we dig all the way down there to find nothing but emptiness. Is that you today? Is that me today? I want you to get an image in your head. I want you to imagine for a minute that you ran a full marathon, 26.2 miles. Now I have run... Never one of these in my life. But I want you to imagine you're out there and and it just so happens this marathon is in the middle of nowhere, right? And so you run the marathon and you realize you get back to your car after you're done. You forgot to bring water. Oh my gosh. So you jump in your car, you're ready to drive home. On the way home, your car breaks down in a remote area. Now you got to figure out how to get some water. You jump out of your car, you're walking back towards civilization. And please picture this with me, ready? You find a fire hydrant overflowing with water. And you're, you're literally like close to dying of thirst, okay? And next to the fire hydrant, you find a shovel. And instead of falling on your knees and drinking up the water that is bursting forth from that fire hydrant, you grab the shovel and start digging to build your cistern. That's what sin is, guys. The spring is right there overflowing with life. All you've got to do is be near it. But the cistern, I'm going to go do my best to dig out the relationship, the career, the status, the porn, the lust, the anger, the hate. I'm going to go dig it around in there. I'm going to play around in the broken cistern and come up empty. The people are dying of thirst and they trade God for their cistern. That's what you and I do too often. And I think right now God's trying to get our attention. Could it be that God is trying to get us to stop playing around in the broken cisterns so we can enjoy the spring of life? Just think about you for a minute. I don't want you to point a finger at a politician right now. I don't want you to point a finger at your spouse or your kid or your parents or your neighbors or the person that you work for or the person that fired you. I just want you to think about you. God, am I trading you right now? Am I rolling around in the mud and the sewage God am I messing around in broken cisterns? Because you and I man, we keep trading springs for sin we change we're trading water for for works, right God is just bursting forth going, I'm here, I'm here. Just get close, just get close. That's all it takes. Just come close to me and watch how I spring into your life. Watch how I satisfy you. And here's the thing. God is not saying, I don't want you to get a drink. He's saying, I wanna give you the best drink. The one that actually will satisfy your soul. And so what is all this saying today? What can we learn from this? I think what we need to see here is that you and I have this tendency to settle too much. And I think what God is speaking through Jeremiah to his people and to you and me today is don't settle for broken cisterns when God offers you a spring. That's what we're doing, guys. We're settling for this. We're settling for this. And the the angels are watching going, seriously, for Netflix? Seriously? For for that one-night stand? Seriously? For the sake of revenge? You're going to trade God right now? He is flowing in life to satisfy you. Don't you dare fall for it. Don't you dare settle. So what do we do? We repent. We repent. That's one of the themes in Jeremiah. He brings it up and over and over again in these 33,000 Hebrew words that he brings up. Repent, turn from your sin. This week, my wife lovingly brought up to me some ways that she thought maybe I needed to change. And I didn't love hearing it. It wasn't my favorite conversation of the week. But she brought up maybe just my tone sometimes and how I can respond. She brought up even my, some of my facial expressions when, when I don't even realize sometimes maybe I'll get intense or I'll get upset about something. And and she just brought up some ways. And there were two responses I could have had. I could get super defensive. And honestly, it's probably what I did at first. And I could just stay the same. Or I could say, you know, I'm going to try and turn from that. I'm going to try and change. I'm going to try and with God's grace, lay that at his feet and become a different person, right? And I just wonder if God, kind of like my wife, is, is just nudging at any of your heart state. And he comes loving, lovingly, just like my wife did. And he comes for your good, just like my wife did. And he comes for you and I to become better versions of who he created us to be. But I just wonder today if he's calling you and me to repent. How do we do it? How do I repent? Well, it starts like this. God, I gotta have an honest conversation with you. If you're taking notes right now, write down number one. How do I repent? Number one, have an honest conversation with God. God, here's what I've been doing. God, I've been looking at stuff. I've been going there with them. I've been holding on to this anger for so long. I've been plotting revenge, God. I've been prideful, Lord, so prideful. I haven't looked to you, God. I traded you because I'm mad at you. God, I'm so terrified right now. And I have let fear destroy my life. Super specific conversation with God. First step in repentance for you. In me. Second, maybe you need to remove your access to the broken sister. It's just taking out your phone and deleting the phone number so you can't even get in touch with them again if you want to. Maybe it's deleting the app. Maybe it's taking your computer out of your bedroom and bringing it out into the living room so that you're not surfing those sites when everybody in the family's around. It's just this step of, okay, now I'm going to remove my access to the broken sister and I'm going to bury it, you know? If the cistern, if I dug it out, maybe it's time to take this shovel out and, and fill it back in, right? Remove your access to the cistern. That's number two. Number three, get some help and accountability. Get some accountability. Maybe you need counseling. Maybe you just need a friend who loves you and can call you and say, how are you doing with this? How's the lust battle going? How's the anger battle going? How you doing with your tone, Doug? How's your facial expressions? You, you all right? Just get an accountability, someone who loves you and loves Jesus. And if you're taking notes, number four, look to God for satisfaction. Look to him for satisfaction, get near him, right? The spring will satisfy anybody who's near it. God will satisfy anybody who's near him. All you gotta do is be near him. So you talk to him and you pray and you get in his word and you you get in some community, even if it's through a screen, you get with people who love Jesus, right? Be near him, be near him. All this, all this is leading to to next week in Jeremiah. And I'll tell you, today was intense. The next two weeks are tons of hope, tons of hope. As we continue to say, God, what is going on? Tons of hope for you and I, as we gather and we look to the word of God again. But I want your satisfaction and God wants it even more than I do. He wants our satisfaction. So this week, what are you trading Catch yourself in it. I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna get duped anymore. I'm leaving my shovel behind unless it's to fill in the hole that I dug and and make sure I can't get access back to the broken cistern. Throwing the shovel out, bury it in the back of the garage, man. It's time to live for God. It's time to trade back, right? God, I'm giving you the struggle with porn. I'm giving you this struggle with how much I'm looking at entertainment and video games and Netflix. I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm obsessed with my phone, God. I'm trading back. Let's trade it back, God. God, I'm giving you my tone and my faces. God, I'm giving you the anger deep within my heart. Oh God, please Lord, help me to live satisfied in you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you heard me say before that one of the themes in Jeremiah we're gonna jump more into it the next two weeks is this idea that God judged somebody in our place. And that was Jesus, his son, who got on the cross to die for you and me. And he was horribly murdered for you and I that we would go free that we would be free, that we could live now knowing that what our nation's going through right now, what we as individuals are going through right now, it's not punishment or judgment. Discipline, because God loves us, but we're not being punished right now. No, that all happened when Jesus got on the cross and all the wrath of God was taken out on him in your place, in my place. But I wanna encourage you today, don't settle for broken cisterns. When God offers you a spring, let's pray. So Jesus, we are grateful that you offer this to us. Thank you, this is even an option, that you wanna satisfy our souls. And God, we just bring to you all those things that are broken, all those cisterns we have dug down deep only to find they lead to emptiness. And God, we just pray that right now in this teachable moment, you, Lord, will make a great difference in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, can you get specific with them? Let's, Let's just take that first step together. Have the conversation with God. God, here's what I've been doing. Here's what I've been doing. Just be real specific, specific with him and let him lead you. And now maybe it's a good time too to say, God, here's how I'm gonna remove access to my cistern. Here's, here's my accountability. God, I encourage you, write it down. If you're taking notes, write down the name of the person you're gonna be texting after this. Could you hold me accountable for this? And then satisfy your heart in God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, we'd love for you to put your trust in him. And you can just say something like this right now if you wanna put your trust in him. Jesus, thank you for being punished in my place. Thank you, God, that I don't have to wonder if you love me or not. I don't have to wonder if I'm being punished or judged, but instead, I know, God, that you took that for me. And so I thank you for your love for me, for the sacrifice of Jesus, which saves my soul eternally. And I put my trust in you today, God. Thank you for this gift. Your name.